Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Well, there was a lot of flu going around uh, in the month of December. How many of you had the flu or a sinus infection? Those were the popular ones, all right? Well, about two weeks before Christmas, I had the flu, and I was in bed. We're trying to get all this done, and I was in bed there for a few days. And, and you know, after you're in bed for a few days, like you're scrolling, like, what else can I watch? And, uh, and so I went back. I was tired of all the new stuff on TV. Come on, where's my grandmas and grandpas? I had to go all the way back to the black and white movie everybody. How many didn't know there was such a thing? Let me see your hands. Didn't even know there was such a thing. Well, one of my favorite black and white movies is The Twelve Angry Men. How many has ever seen that movie? Uh, Only like seven. Okay, all right. Well, in it, there's this jury, uh, and they're made up of 12 men, and uh, the, the members of this jury, they have to deliberate whether this teenager is innocent or guilty of murder, and his life depends upon them, and they need a unanimous decision. And the unanimous decision has to be either all are innocent, all innocent or all guilty. Well, if you've seen the movie, well, uh, 11 of them vote guilty right off the bat. And there's one guy in there that says, nah, I don't know. And man, from there on, the whole movie happens in this one room, and it gets heated. All right, that's all I'm going to tell you about the movie. Now the rest of you have to watch it. Because I want to tell you about another 12 Angry Men. There's a story kind of like that, at least similar. Maybe the only similarities is there's 12 men. I'm not sure. But there's 12 angry men in Scripture that are trying to determine the fate of God's people. And it gets kind of heated. And what we're going to learn in this, in this story is that, watch this, just because God promises something to us doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come to pass. Oh, come on, that's a good word for Christians right there. Because we think, you know, we'll claim a verse and, well, God told me. And, and, and if we're not careful, we'll sit back and wait for God to deliver the promise or the plan or the purpose or the destiny that he's put on all of our lives. Let me just set you at ease. God has a plan and a purpose. Let me say it another way. God has a good plan and a good purpose for every single person in this place today. And you say, well, how come I'm not living in that? Well, you see, it takes our participation. Yes, God has a plan, a plan to prosper us, a plan that we would be winners and not losers. But some of us will never discover that plan because we haven't been willing to be a participant in our very own life. How about in 2023, we become participants in our life and quit living life accidentally and start living life by the designer's plan? Amen, everybody. And, and I just want to say, if you come to Radius, I don't know who our guests here today. Maybe you've come from another church. Maybe you're trying out church for the first time in a long time. But let me commit to you, some of you already know this, that if you come to Radius, our whole goal is every week to help you just take one step closer to God. It, it, we, we just want to try to get you on the journey. And we believe that we can help you discover God's plans and purposes for your life. Matter of fact, I tell people this all the time time. And nobody so far has taken me up on this offer. I say, if you'll just give us six months, a year would be better. 
But if you'll give us six months and you'll come to church every weekend and you'll get involved in our life groups and you'll get involved on our dream teams and you'll just keep taking the steps that we lay out there, I can guarantee you that in six months' time, your life will be better than before you started the journey. And if it's not, come back and we'll, it's a money-back guarantee, everybody. All right? I mean, if it's not, then we'll talk, and I'll try to recommend a church that might better suit your personality. You see, we want four things for you, and we believe in those things so strong that we put them up on the wall over there. They just they got up off the wall at the old building and just walked down the street and came and attached themselves right over here. This is what we want for you. Number one is we want you to know God. Some of you are trying to look over there. Maybe I got it on the screen. But uh, we want you, first of all, we want you to know God. You know, there's a lot of people that know about God. If the NFL can pray and see God move, how much more should the church pray and see God move? Am I right about it? Come on now, right? I see, we don't want you just to have a basic knowledge of God. We want you to experience God. We don't want you to come here and hear a, bit of, a whole bunch of liturgy. We want you to come here and experience the Lord. Amen, everybody? See, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And we want you to come and know him, the life-giving message. Not a message of condemnation. Not a message of judgment. Number two, the second thing we want for you is for you to find freedom. Because you can come to the knowledge of Jesus and still not have the abundant life that Jesus promised us. And that's one of the reasons we're starting this new series, Finding Freedom. Um, in fact, I, I think I got a picture of that too, Finding Freedom. There it is. All right, way to go. Uh, we're just testing everything the first time this morning. Um, just kidding. But here's the question for you. What if you could get victory over an addiction? Now, I know some of you here are saying, well, I don't have any addictions. <laughs> There's more people in here with addictions than you care to mention. See, because when we think about addictions, we think of drugs, we think of alcohol, we think of pornography. But there could be some bad attitudes that we're addicted to. What if this year we could get past that bad habit, that addiction, and really find freedom in Christ? The third thing we want for you is for you to discover purpose because what we have found is there is no greater place to live in life than to know why God's designed you the way God's designed you and to discover the gifts and the personality traits that he's put in you and why you're wired the way you are. And the reason is, is because God has a plan and a purpose for you. And then lastly, we want you to be on the team to help us make a difference. How many know Skagit Valley needs somebody to make a difference in our valley, right? And, and to be able to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. We're a part of something bigger. Look around this room. This is a part. This took lots and lots of people, and it's exciting to be a part of something that is bigger than just me. Now, I can't see you. Are you still out there? Just want to make sure. See, God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. And in case you've never heard this, he has, a, he has a plan for you to win and not to lose. He has a plan for you to always be above and never beneath. He has a plan that there is no condemnation in your life. He has a plan to forgive you. He has a plan and a destiny and a purpose. He has a plan to make you a conqueror. Come on, everybody, right? As a matter of fact, let me say it this way. In case you've never heard this, you 
might be sitting there right now going, oh, great, another motivational speech. But I want you to know something, that where you're at is not where you have to stay, and what you have is not all that you can have. Your best days might just be one step ahead of you. Amen, everyone? Now, I'll tell you something that's great. What's great this morning is that our destiny is not determined by 12 grumpy old men. Amen? Woohoo! But if you're not careful, you will make the same mistake they did and never reach your potential. Now, the word potential gets thrown around a lot these days, so let me give us a working definition. Potential is simply this, the capabilities of greatness. Wow, the capabilities. How many want your children to discover the capabilities of greatness in them, right? Their potential. Let me take you to an Old Testament story that I want to read out of the book of Numbers. Now, you don't hear a lot of messages out of the book of Numbers, but I want to take you to this story, and let me set it up before I read it. The children of Israel have been in slavery for over 400 years. Moses comes along, tells Pharaoh, let my people go. A lot of crazy miracles have to happen right in front of their eyes for them to get delivered. Moses walks them out of Egypt. Egypt, the definition of Egypt is a narrow place. He's going to bring them to the promised land, and the promised land is a place that flows. It has rhythm to it. Now, come on, you don't even need to know the Bible to know, I'd rather live in a land with rhythm and blessing than a restricted land, right, everyone? And and, and so that's the setup. And so Moses decides, before we go take this promised land, it's the land of Canaan, I'm going to send 12 spies into the land. Are you guys with me? Now let's take it over here in Numbers 13. Uh, Numbers 13, they gave Moses this account. So they go spy out the land. If you grew up in Sunday school, you know this story already. And then they come back and tell Moses what they found. And here's what it is. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. Now, did you notice how verse 28 starts? But... The but always changes things. How many know what I'm saying, right? But the people who live there are powerful. They just threw out all the good with the but. It's kind of like when somebody says, I really love you, but then what that means to me is everything you said before the but doesn't really matter. How many agree with me, right? Okay. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. And then it goes on. It says, the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites all live in the hill country, and the Canaanites. In other words, if it ended with an ite, it's a bad thing, right? Okay. And uh, they live near the Sea of the Jordan. Then Caleb silences the people before Moses and said, We should go up at once and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And it goes on and says just a little bit more. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. Come on, how many feel like there's a Debbie Downer in this, right? Oh, it's 12 Angry Men, sorry, ladies. Uh, Daryl Downer, all right? Uh, 
The land we explore is devoured. I mean, can you just feel the violins and the sad music? And it's like a wet blanket on a party, right? I mean, God's going to bring you in. And, oh, we can't do that. There's just no way. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. Some say those were the giants that were related to Goliath, all right? And we seemed like, watch this, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. I mean, how can they get so negative so fast? I don't know anybody that does that. I mean, one minute they're watching bullfrogs go into the Egypt's, Egyptians' house, but not theirs. How many know that's a miracle, right? Uh, fleas are going into their house, but not ours. That's a miracle. They witnessed ten powerful miracles, and now they're afraid of taking the land that God has promised them. God delivered them out miraculously, and instead of being filled with faith, they are filled with fear. Wow. But God promised them that they would dwell in greatness, but they never got to dwell in the greatness that God promised them. Now, we don't preach a lot of sermons around here. In fact, we don't preach any messages to tell you what you ought to do, what you shouldn't do. You know, those kind of messages that just bring condemnation. So I'm not going to preach to you today. I want you to listen in. I'm going to preach to these 12 angry men and, and it's going to be like, I just want to pretend I'm in the locker room with them, and, the, and I'm Moses, and they're giving me this bad report, and what I would say to them. So are you guys ready for this? So I'm going to tell these 12 what they shouldn't have done, and hopefully you'll listen in, and you'll determine that you won't make the same mistakes they did. Because they were destined for greatness, but they never got to live in the greatness because they forgot to be a participant in their own life. Ooh, come on now, that was worth an amen right there. I really believe that, all right? Or at least a, ooh, that hurt. Okay, either one, all right? So here's six things you can't do if you're going to dwell in your greatness. If 2023 is going to be a better year, here's six things. Come on, 12 guys. Here's six things that you shouldn't have done. In fact, I'm going to call them the don'ts, all right? Number one, guys, is don't dwell on the difficulties. That's the first thing. Guys, look, you came back here and you told us about all, whoo, it's tough there, the giants, the, the, don't dwell on the difficulties. Come on, look around this room. How many would guess that probably we ran into at least one difficulty in this building remodel? Can I, I mean, just one? Isn't it great we didn't quit? Oh, that's it. I'm done. Forget it. I'm, I'm out of here, right? The one thing we didn't budget was a brand new roof. We had to put a brand new roof. How many have ever done a roof on your house? This is a little bigger than your house. It was a surprise. It was a difficulty. I cast, when I got done casting every devil out of it and rebuking every devil, it was still leaking and we still needed a roof. Come on, how many glad? You can't give up in the difficult times. Here's one of the things I need to tell you. This is going to sound so bummer, but just hold on. There's going to be some difficult moments in 2023. How many already know that? How many have already had that? We're a week in. Watch this. In my Bible, I read that story to you out of the NIV. And in the NIV, they use 11 words to describe the promised land. 11 words to talk about how good it could be. 11 words to talk about how good my marriage could be. How good my home could be. How good my kids could be. How good the vision is. How great 2023 could be. They use 11 words to describe the greatness and the potential. 
If you finish reading the story, it compares to 120 words to describe the problem. 11 words. Woo, this is great. 120 words. This is not going to be so good. In other words, 90% of their conversation was given to why we can't do something. 90% of their conversation was given to the worst case scenario. I think they were the original writers of the Hee Haw theme song. Only some of you are old enough. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Come on. Oh, now you know it, right? Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Uh-huh. It's like their theme song. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Listen, the person sitting in this room with the biggest smile, I promise you they've gone through difficulties. The person that's marriage has gone through, through it, and they're celebrating today. They've had difficult times in their marriage. When you've raised godly kids, I promise you there's been difficulties. You see, in this life, Jesus told us we're going to have difficulties, but the key is not dwelling on the difficulties. Amen, everybody? The fact of the matter is that in life there will always be obstacles. And I've found that the opportunities usually are camouflaged in the obstacles. Has anybody else discovered this? Here's your tweetable moment. You can write it down, take a picture if you want to. And what you determine to dwell on determines what you'll dwell in. Mm -hmm. If you dwell on the difficulties, you'll probably dwell in difficulties. Some people's lives are filled with problems, and it's because that's all you dwell on. Some people can find a problem in every solution. How many know what I'm talking about, right? How many remember the story of Goliath? You guys remember the story of Goliath? Some of you know that story. You talk about a problem. Goliath is a problem, right? And if you read the story, all the trained soldiers, they're dwelling on how big he is. What you dwell on, they're dwelling on how big he is, determines what you dwell in. So they're dwelling in the tents, hiding from the difficult situation. Mm. 1 Samuel chapter number 17 is the story of Goliath. And I just want to pull out a few things. A champion named Goliath was from Goth, came out uh, of the Philistine camp. His weight was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. How many know you got to be a pretty big dude to be carrying around armor like that, right? Well, watch what else it just says. Just a couple of things. This is kind of interesting to me. On his legs were bronze graves and bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point, point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. L- listen, all I'm trying to get you to see is what you dwell on determines what you dwell in. And these soldiers, this is all they were talking about. They were dwelling on the difficulties and so they dwelt in the tents in defeat. Wow. And, and, and I think this is interesting, too, to make note. Notice how they describe him. They are talking about all the tough things. First of all, I want to know how they knew. Like, they couldn't go to their tents back then and Google Goliath. You know what I'm saying, right? But, I mean, they know every detail of him and his stuff. And while the soldiers were dwelling on how big the problem was, they were dwelling in the tents. But David came along and said, while they were saying this difficulty is so big, David said, while they were saying he's so big we can never knock him down, David said, he's so big I can't help to hit him with one of these rocks, right? I mean, no, that's faith right there. 
That's saying God's on my side. It might be a fight. It might be a battle. There might be some cuts and bruises, but I'm going for it because I refuse to dwell in the tents. And David dwelt on the possibility, therefore David dwelt in the kingdom. Come on, everybody. What you dwell on determines what you dwell in. Number two, the second thing I'd tell these 12 spies is not only that, but number two, don't dramatize the difficulties. How many of you have ever met somebody that just dramatizes? Huh? Come on. Anybody out there just kind of, you know, don't point at them. Just kind of like, yep, I know, okay. Don't dramatize the difficulties. Watch what they said in verse uh, 28. It says this, uh, but the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified, and they're very large. These guys are a bunch of drama queens. How many know what I'm saying, right? I mean, and now I have a philosophy, and I have a thought. If you've ever come across somebody that over-dramatizes things, like, whoo, man, the doctor has never seen what I'm going through. Since Adam and Eve, no one's ever had this issue, and they just over-dramatize the situation. You see, I believe that the reason people dramatize and the reason we dramatize our problems is it builds in an excuse for a failure. It builds in an excuse why it justifies that I just get to live average and not go after the things that God has put on my heart. It makes me, it made them feel better about dwelling in the desert. And in this story, I named the desert average. It makes them feel better about just punching the time card and not getting too involved. Uh, Because after all, life is tough. The government is tough. The president is tough. My job is tough. My spouse is tough. My kids are crazy. Come on. And so we drama so it gives us an excuse just to live this average life. Forty years they dwelt in the desert. Come on. You will. And, and here's the thing. They never got to go in. And if you dramatize your problems, you will live with the feeling that you should be further along. Every passing birthday, you'll go, man, what if I would have? And what if I would have? Every birthday, you'll look back and say, you know what? I shouldn't have played it so safe. I should have trusted God more. I should have overcame my worries. I shouldn't have dramatized the difficulties. I should have dramatized the power of a mighty God that loves me. Amen, everyone? Number three. The third thing that I would say to them is don't diminish yourself. Come on, guys. Don't dwell on the difficulties. Don't dramatize the difficulties. And don't diminish yourself. Did you see what they said at the end of that? They said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. We seemed like grasshoppers. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Uh, They didn't believe in God's call on their life. They diminished themselves. Listen, there are some of you in this room right now, and there are some that are listening online. You've diminished yourself because someone told a lie. Some parent, they didn't mean to. Some teacher, some coach, somebody said something negative and contrary to what God said about you. God said you're a winner. God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on a cross. That's how much he believes in you. And the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave, come on, is the same spirit that lives and dwells in us. And he said we have power over all the powers of darkness. And he said that we would be more than conquerors. Come on, quit believing the lie that you've heard and believe the truth of what God says about you. Amen. We, there's too many people 
that we're self-sabotaging. You went into a new year and didn't even come up with a new goal. It's like, what's the use? I am what I am. And you've believed the lie. It's kind of like Charlie Brown. I figured I'd get some real deep theology in here. Charlie Brown said this. He said, if I could kick the person responsible for all my troubles, I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. How many can under... I mean, Christians, we're terrible about blaming everything on the devil. Well, the devil this and the devil that. The devil is so, like, I think the devil's depressed. He's like, man, everything gets blamed on me. Some of it's not the devil. Some of it's that we diminish the dream, the gifts, the passions that God has put in our hearts. So I would say to him, don't diminish yourself. If I was really preaching today, I'd say, stop having faith in your problems. Stop having faith in the world system. Have some faith in what God said about you. Amen, everybody? And I love verse number 30. I'm not going to preach this, but boy, I sure wanted to. I love, now, out of the 12 spies, only 10 of them had a negative report. Two of them were like, come on, let's go for it. And one of them was Joshua, and the other was Caleb. And so there's some heated exchange going on, thus the 12 angry men. But I I love this verse in verse 30. It says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Radius Church. We should buy that building. We should be in it by January. We should cast out devils. Wait, come on, right, everybody? Right. Yeah. Number four, the fourth thing I'd say, okay, guys, come on, gather around here. Don't. Whatever you do, don't discourage those around you. This one I should have made number one. Because if there's anything that makes my blood boil, if you want to think bad about yourself, I'll try to coach you out of it. But don't take what your view is on life and try to infect everybody else that was happy until you came along. Sorry, little soapbox. Got a higher stage now. I got to be careful here. Whatever you do, don't discourage those that are around you. One of the things we believe at Radius is you didn't come here to get beat up on. You didn't come here to get discouraged. You came here to find some courage. You didn't come here to feel condemnation and judgment. You came here to hear there is a God in heaven that loves you and he has a plan and a purpose and a life-giving message to you. Amen? Don't discourage those around you. I love this part of the story, verse number 32, it says this, and they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land. Again, if anything gets my blood boiling, if I hear somebody sharing negative, that's not always even true, and it could be true, but it's the way we say it, right? It's the negativity. I had one person, and I hope they're here today. I mean, I'm going to get a little revenge. Here's some evil coming out of me, all right? I had one person that said, there is no way you'll ever be in that building by January. Neener, neener, neener. (laughs) Come on, everybody, right? And if you're that person and you're here, I really do love you, but thank you for the illustration. I appreciate it, all right? They said the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great. I mean, they're spreading all these stories. And come on, how many know you got to be careful who you hang out with? 
Because if you hang out with the wrong people, they will begin to abort the very thing that God put in your heart. They'll, they'll talk negative about the dream. They'll, they'll talk negative about the possibility. They'll talk negative. They'll say, come on, you know where you came from. You know who your family is. You know what school you went to. You know who your mom and daddy are. You know, And they'll tell you all the things of why you can't get there. you got to be careful not to discourage. Come on, let's determine to be people that encourage those that are around us. Amen? It reminds me of the two generals. There were two generals. There's general number one. We're going to put him over here on my left. And we got general number two. We're going to put him over here on our right. And these two generals had been enemies, but they were fighting a third army. And they decided, let's come together, let's form one army, and let's attack our enemy and win that battle. And so the two came together, and they're fighting their arch enemy, and the battle is raging. There's hand-to-hand combat going on. There's cannonballs flying. And at one time, general number two looks over at general number one, and he sees general number one say to his assistant, he says, hey, go get me my red jacket. And the assistant, he goes and gets the red jacket. There's still fighting going on. And he puts on the red jacket and he keeps on fighting. And then the battle began to subside a little bit. Looked like they had kind of won stage number one of the battle. And they were on a war coffee break. And the general number two said to the general number one, he said, man, that was intense. But what was the whole go get my red jacket thing all about? He said, well, in the middle of the battle, I don't know if a if a bullet scrapes me or a, or a blade or somehow, but I started bleeding pretty bad. And I don't want those that are around me to get discouraged. I don't want those that are around me to worry about me because there's something bigger at stake than me. So I put on my red jacket so no one would see that I was hurting, and I kept fighting the battle, and they fought just as intense. General number two thought, that is a brilliant strategy. And so the battle, uh, I don't know if it was hours or days later, but it began to increase again. And learning a lesson from general number two, a cannonball flew right by general number two's face. And he looked at his assistant and said, quick, go get me my brown pants. (laughs) How many can relate? I'll give it a minute because some of you are saying, what did he say? I'm not sure what. Some people ought to be wearing brown pants every day. How many know what I'm talking about, right? You see, the question is not, is our attitude contagious? The question is, what attitude are we spreading? What attitude are you giving your kids? What attitude prevails in your home? What attitude prevails in the house of worship that you came, come from? The question is, how are you making people around you feel? Are you making them feel like, we can do it. Where you're at is not where you have to stay. Or are you discouraging them? Come on. I mean, have you ever met that person that just kills the atmosphere whenever they walk in the room? Have you, it's just like, you can almost hear when they walk in, it's like, wah, wah. And, and, and compare that, though, to the person that's life-giving. That man on a bad day, you just wish you could hang out with them. Every time you're around them, you just feel like, man, you, you could invade hell with a water pistol. You know what I mean? It's just like, man, I feel on top of the world because they're life-giving. That's how we want you to feel when you walk in here. I don't know what devils you've been fighting all through the week, but when you walk in here, I want this to be the life-giving place, the place that says you can do it. One more day, one more week, one more. Come on, everybody, right? 
Number five, the fifth thing I'd say to these guys, I'd say, look, guys, don't deny your destiny. You see, destiny is a weird word, but it's really God has a plan and a purpose. You're not an accident. God made you be, the Bible says he made you before the foundations of the world. And he stamped a born on date on you. And he said you would live during this time. You would experience these things. Don't deny your destiny. Now, there were 12 spies. Two had a good report. Ten had a bad report. And if I ask you to name the 12 spies, matter of fact, we'll give $100. You guys ready? Oh, look at it. Everybody's paying attention now. $100. If you can stand where you're at and name the 12 spies, go. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a good guess, but they're there. Uh-huh. Isn't that interesting? Okay, let's do this. How many can name at least two of the spies? Let me see your hands. All right, you're not getting $100. I just wanted to see if. Uh... <laughs> What's two of the names? Joshua and Caleb, right? But, it, but if I promise you a hundred, if I promise you a million, no one could name the other ten. Matter of fact, let me let you in on something. I can't name them either. But they're in there. Their names are in there. And I can't name them either. Because we don't remember the critics. We don't remember the people that shrink from God's call on their life. We don't shrink, or, or we don't remember those. History doesn't record those that were cranky. Come on. Critics, history doesn't record those that are saying why we can't do it. History doesn't record those, watch this, that miss their destiny. Now, I'm not going to read you the names. They're in there. What I'd rather do, what I think is more impactful, is to tell you what these guys' names meant. See, in Hebrew, they were all named Hebrew names. In fact, I, I got them on the screen for you. Here's what their names meant. Their names meant judge. The, the ten that brought back the negative report, their names meant judge. Their Hebrew names meant avenger. Come on. I mean, that already makes me feel like we ought to not be complaining. If my name is avenger, right, their names mean deliverer. Their names meant attack of the almighty. Their names meant fortunate son. Their names meant people of God. Their name meant cherish. Their name meant majesty of God. Are you guys getting the picture? If anyone was meant to take the promised land, it's a dude named Avenger. Dun, da, da, da. If anybody is supposed to walk in their potential, it's a guy by the name of Deliverer. Right? Now imagine for a moment you being named Attack of the Almighty, yet you call yourself a grasshopper. God has named you conqueror. He has put a spirit in us so that in all things we would win. Come on. And so quit calling yourself something less than what God calls you. Just because God destined for you to be in greatness doesn't mean you will have it unless you pursue your greatness. Before I go to point number six, watch verse number 33. It's interesting. I've heard preachers preach on the grasshopper part, but I like, I like this word. We seemed like grasshoppers. See, your feelings will lie to you. Some of you right now seem like, it feels like, I don't feel like a winner, but that's the enemy's lie. Because feelings will lie to you. It said we seemed like grasshoppers. Mm. And I just want to say to somebody, quit living by how life seems. 
Quit living how it feels. Live by what God said. If I could change the verse a little bit, I'd say, men shall not live by what seems alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What proceeds out of the mouth of God? What proceeds out of the mouth of God is he's named you, and he's named you conqueror. He's named you forgiven. Can anybody thank God for that? He has named you redeemed. He has named you child of God. Wow. If anybody ought to be dreaming great things, come on, how many of you know the people of God ought to, right? Amen, everybody? Let me give you the sixth point that I'd preach to these 12 spies. I'd gather them together and I'd say, now lastly, guys, don't desire the devil you know. Now that's kind of a colloquialism. It's kind of a saying. It means, it, it means sometimes we would rather settle for average or not good because we're comfortable in it rather than stepping out of our comfort zone with the possibility of a greater tomorrow. I'd rather just dance with the devil I know. I'd rather just stay in the comfort of what I already know. It's not that good, but I'd rather, I know I shouldn't be treated this way. I know life could be better, but I'm just going to put up with it because I've become accustomed to it instead of stretching out of that and believing God for a brighter tomorrow. And I'd say, don't. Don't do it, guys. Don't desire the devil you knew. Look at Numbers 14. Watch these guys. Now, I'm going to read that, but let me set things up just real quick. Moses walks into Pharaoh's court, everybody. I don't, I don't know if you grab what's going on. Egypt is the most powerful nation of the world. Pharaoh, therefore, is the most powerful leader. Put that in perspective. And Moses comes stumbling in there. And says, yo, dude. <laughs> I don't know if he said it that way. That's probably not the King James Version. <laughs> but he says, let my people go. And he said it with authority. Like, that's a bad dude right there. Come on, right? I mean, I'm going to stroll up into the most powerful kingdom, the most powerful leader, and I'm going to tell him, demand after 400 years, I've come here to tell you that God told me to let his people go. Now, if that's who came to rescue me, I'm riding with Moses. How many know what I'm saying, right? If that dude has the backbone and the courage to step up into Pharaoh's court, I'm rolling with Moses no matter what. He might do some things wrong. His beard might be out of whack. He might not have showered. He might have said some wrong things. But I'm rolling with the dude that took on Pharaoh and won. Is anybody with me? Like Some of you are looking at me like, I don't know about that. But they decided it was too tough. And, and watch this verse here, Numbers 14 now. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What? I, sorry, I know I'm in church, but I want to say, what are you smoking? Like, this dude came in and rescued you and your family, and now, because you don't have the meal you want, you want to choose a different leader? Kind of sounds like the world we live in, how quick we are to just trade somebody in. And they want a new leader. In other words, they want the devil they knew. They, 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 they desired the devil they knew. Now watch this, in case you don't know the story. Back in Egypt, they were abused. Their wives were raped. Their children were killed. They had to work on barely any food. But I guess they were thinking, well, at least we know what's happening over there. How crazy 
I'm so glad none of us would ever do that. I'll put up with this dating relationship, and it's abusive, but you know what? I grew up in a home where I watched that, so I'm just going to dance with the devil I know instead of try to discover God's purpose. Ah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm being silly on purpose, and I know it's almost disgusting. I mean, they're being killed. They're being abused. They're being beaten. I mean, it's terrible. But, I mean, like, I'm wondering, like, are they sitting around going, that was the good old days. Can't wait to go back there, right? I mean, what were they thinking? I wonder what kind of reception they were expecting they would get when they got back. Hey, just kidding. (laughs) Like, what were they? Watch. Some of you have put too much work in to go back to what's common, to go back to what's comfortable. There's nothing waiting for you back there. What's waiting for you is always one step ahead. That's why we want you on the journey with us. Come on and say a good amen. You see, God is always moving forward. Therefore, watch this. It takes faith to follow him because you're constantly stepping into the unknown, and you're constantly taking a step of faith and believing God is going to be there. And I can tell you this, if you'll come get on the journey with us, God will be there with you. And so I leave you with this. Let 2023 be the year that you choose to step into God's plans and purposes and his destiny for your life. It'll take some faith. There will be some difficult days. There will be a temptation to go back the way you've always done it. But if you always do what you've always done, you can always get what you've always had. Let's make 2023 the greatest year ever. Amen, everybody? Will you receive that today? All right. All right. Would you stand with me all over this place? I want to pray over you.